Hey guys, it's Allison. I am so glad you're here with me. I want to tell you that this podcast, From Weeds to Wildflowers, it's all about resilience. So then it's pretty much about life. And if you've ever experienced life, then this podcast could possibly be for you. I want to put a disclaimer out there first. I am not a therapist. I'm not here to give you advice or to tell you what to do. What I am though is human. Yep, same as you. A human being that has an immense desire to want to help people discover ways to heal. There is so much suffering in this world, some of which stems from outside influences, but most of our suffering comes from within, from our own devices. And that is what worries me the most. I too have suffered, and yes, some of which came by means of my own hands. I would love for you to join me and walk alongside me as we navigate this wonderful, beautiful, sometimes frightening thing we call life. Let's find out what we're made of, and perhaps we can find ways we can do it better. Help me to unearth skills to dig deep in search of proverbial water that heals. Let's learn how to bloom wherever we find ourselves not just where we're planted, and uncover the source of our own innate personal happiness. Come on now, let's do this together. Hey guys, I would love to welcome you to the podcast today, and it's quite a treat I have for you today. I have Zaxter Cook on the podcast today. Now, I know Z from... Well, I actually dated his dad for a short period of time. <laughs> and I just have to tell you that Z is one of the most phenomenal young adults I have ever met. From the moment I met him and still today. Sorry, just got a surge of emotion there. But Z has a heart that is bigger than he is. And he loves people. He loves family. He emits that in everything that he does. So I am going to let him introduce himself and I will turn it over to Z. So I'd like you to welcome Zaxter Cook. Hey Z. Happy to be here, Allie. How's it going? It's great. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, as Allie said, my, my name is Zaxter Cook. Um, those who know me close and I don't care. Anybody who knows me, you can just call me Z. That's just kind of what I go by. Um, I I am a family man. I, I have a beautiful wife named Carly, who I love dearly. Um, I've got two beautiful kids, a daughter named Millie, who is three and a half years old. And then seven months ago, we welcomed our, our son Blue into the world. And um, so cute. First, first and foremost, my family means everything to me. And that's the most important piece of my life. And I wouldn't be who I am today without them to earn a living and kind of what I, what I truly am passionate about and spend most of my hours during the daytime doing is, as I'm a, a barber, or I'd like to even say like a men's hairstylist. And I take a lot of passion in that. I have my own little shop uh, named studio Z and we'll see where that business goes one day, but right now it's just myself. I'm, I'm an avid, uh, like fan of anything competition wise. Um, I've got about 5,000 hobbies, anything <laughs> from all kinds of sports, baseball. I play competitive softball. I like doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I 
I like to golf. I like to ski. I like to wake surf. Um, I like to skateboard. Anything under the sun that can just keep me under the sun is kind of <laughs> what I'm into. I'm really into just whatever my kids are into now as well, which is so fun. And um, I've got great family, great support and a great life. And I work hard every day to keep it that way. And that's, I love that. That's kind of who I am. <laughs> it yeah. is who you are. Yeah. I have to ask you, I don't know when your birthday is. And so I have to say Z is, I think, 26. Is that correct? I'll be 26 in just a couple of weeks. Okay. May, I was May I six. Was, I was going to ask, are you, have, do you happen to be a Gemini? Because I'm a Gemini and I have about a gazillion hobbies. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Close. you are a Taurus, Taurus right? Yeah. 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 Taurus. Yeah. Right. Definitely a lot of hobbies. My wife made fun of me the other day. She was like, you get kind of obsessive over one thing for a little bit and then you do that thing for a while and then you move on to the next thing. I'm like, that makes total sense. So like, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, you know, I can, yep, I can do a little bit thing. of everything, but I'm not great at anything. So <laughs> except for maybe barbering, I, I I'm pretty good at that. You're, you're yeah. pretty damn good at that. No. Yeah. But. So I have to tell you, so Z, I know Z presently, right. And I've known him for almost a year and I know that he has a past, but I honestly don't know the story of his past, but I will tell you this. I will just lead in with this and he can tell what he wants to. He has had ample opportunities to practice resilience in his life. Things, experiences that he has had at even such a young age um, have honed some skills of resilience within him. I will let you tell whatever it is you want to tell that may be beneficial for somebody else who is listening to this. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I just figure I start from the beginning. You know, I was raised um, pretty humble beginnings in American Fork, Utah. And to my mom, Pam Curtis and, or Pam Red now, and uh, <laughs> my, my dad, Phil Cook. And uh, I've got two older half brothers who are full blood who are full brothers, in my opinion, just same mom, different dad. Then I've got a younger full blood brother. So I grew up in American Fork. And when I was about six years old, my parents decided to get a divorce. That, that, was, that was pretty tough. Both parents through the divorce, now that I'm older and kind of look back at things like they loved their kids so much that they were willing to do whatever it took to have those kids with them. And in my opinion, caused uh, the divorce to be a little messy at times. Mm -hmm. And if you were to talk to my mom or my dad, maybe they have a little bit of different opinions, but this is just, obviously this is my podcast and not their podcast right. today. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, anyway, so I, I don't want to say like the divorce, like, like it was hard, but I wasn't shorted anything. I had great opportunities, great family. Um, would I have liked my parents to be around like together more often? Yeah, but that's just not the way life works a lot of times. And I wasn't shorted anything. I had a great childhood, so many fun memories. I probably had 10 times the fun childhood that a lot of kids have. And I'm super grateful for that. I grew up in LDS faith and that's just mm -hmm. what we did. Like my whole neighborhood growing up, 95% of us was LDS. Or for those who don't know what LDS is, that's the Mormons. Right. And it was awesome. I was, I was raised by my neighborhood. I had 
50 moms and 50 dads and I could go to any house in my neighborhood and everyone would treat me like their own. And I absolutely love the church and everything it did for my family. Like the church at times of need provided food for my family. And I love what it did. However, growing up, that was just something we did so much that I almost built like a little resentment for it because my mom was always like, you need to go to church. You go on a mission not necessarily my mom, but a lot of people in my life are always like, you right. go to church, you go on a mission, you do these things, and like you get married in the LDS temple, and you live happily ever after. And me, something when, when people try to tell me what to do, and that it's like the only way, I kind of build up a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a resent, not a resentment, but like rebellion. Like I mm -hmm. like to rebel against it figure it out for myself and unfortunately like me figuring a lot of stuff out for myself has been I could have saved myself a lot of problems and a lot of time yes by, but uh, just listening to people yeah <laughs> you would have you would not be the person you are today had you gone the easier route right 100 <laughs> percent. exactly so with that being said I kind of into high school I started to you could say rebel a little bit from the social norm and uh, I feel like the story that I have to tell that will resonate with a lot of people is just a story of like bad mental health and struggling with addiction. So when I when I started uh, kind of rebelling in high school, is I started smoking weed and uh, drinking alcohol and just kind of partying and doing fun high school kids stuff, you know, right. harmless fun. Um, I ended up getting a DUI when I was in high school and that was kind of like the start of a, of a run for about five, four or five years of just constant, like getting in trouble by the law. And it started with like just smoking weed and alcohol. And then it led into like, you know, getting in trouble with the cops. And then when that came, like it just kept getting farther and farther where then I started experimenting with like prescription drugs and psychedelic drugs and then next thing I know I get this court case and I have a judge who sentences me to jail for four months or three months so originally the judge sentenced me to 180 days in jail okay, okay. I ended up getting out of jail on an appeal after just around three months okay so I ended up spending three months in jail and when I was in jail everyone in there just glorified drugs and it was just like like I when I got out like I was ready like I was willing to try whatever so one night I, I a couple months out of jail I go to a party with a friend and there's some hard drugs there and we were doing stuff like cocaine and stuff and out of this drug like there was some cocaine and I was doing it with these people and next thing I know it's like two in the morning and uh, most people are gone and me and this old high school friend are hanging out. And this kid looks at me and he's like, hey, do you want to try some B? And I, I thought he said, like, do you want to do some more cocaine or something like that? And I looked at him and I was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a punk. Like, I'll do more. Yeah. And he was like, wait, you're really down to try some B. And that's when I finally heard the word B. And I was like, wait, B, what's B? And he was like, oh, like black, like heroin. And I was like, oh, I didn't know what that was either when you said Yeah, that. like black tar heroin. 
like okay. B is kind of a slang for and I was like at that point I was like wow well I said I'm not a bitch like I'll do it sure yeah let's yeah. do it and I tell that story because that was just kind of the start of like where my addiction really like got bad to where I was just struggling really hard and to be honest with you I used that drug for about six seven eight months I got to a point where I just was using it to get sick so I wouldn't get sicker if that makes sense I would just yeah. withdraw so hard that I'd be so sick and when I would use it I would be sick but I'd rather be the sick of using it than the sick I was not on it, if that makes sense oh totally yeah yeah and I got tired of living that lifestyle and it was Super Bowl Sunday the Eagles had played the Patriots and beat the Patriots and I was watching the game with my cousins and I was just I could not the best game ever and I couldn't enjoy it because I was I was on drugs and I was so sick mm -hmm. so after the game I, I went home to my mom's and knocked on her door and she let me in I just like laid on the ground and I I don't know if I started crying or if I just was miserable and she's like what's wrong bud and I was just like I'm not happy mom not happy at all she was like well Maybe if, if you kind of, maybe if you tell me what's going on, it'll bring power to it. So I'm going to stop like, you right here just for a second. Yeah. Did your parents know you were heavy into drugs at this point in time? Um, they knew kind of like that I was struggling. And, and to be honest with you, like my, my dad actually caught me on video a couple days before this moment mm -hmm. and was going to set up like an intervention with me and my oh. family. Yeah. Okay. So I'll kind of get to that. Okay. But like they knew that I was partying and actually one of the, like, and I'll get into this more later, but like one of the beautiful things about my drug addiction, probably like the, one of the best things that I think is super God sent was my drug addiction essentially caused my parents to put their differences aside and mm -hmm. focus on me. And if you know anything about my parents now, they're really close friends. Absolutely. And I think that was the spark that lit the fire and healed a lot of and built a lot of the bridges that were broken between them um, was them putting their differences aside to help their son, which is super beautiful. I love that anyways, you um, see that, but I love Yeah, that. it was awesome. So anyways, she's like, maybe if you tell me what's going on, it'll bring power to it. So finally, I just, all of a sudden it came out, I was like, mom, I'm addicted to heroin. My mom's like, you know my mom, like at this <laughs> point in time, my mom hasn't, my mom's been the most, on top of her religious beliefs and been very strict and true and trust to everything she's ever believed in and never altered or fell away from anything she's believed with that. And so like, I can imagine a mom who literally did everything she could like hear that from a kid, but she kept it cool and collect. She was like, huh? She's like, well, guess what? You'll never believe Two days ago, my mom is a property manager, so she like kind of gets people into houses that she manages and whatnot, and she in properties and different uh -huh. things. And two days before that, she was like, Z, you'll never believe it. I just sold a lease to a guy who's starting up a new rehab. And at this time, I didn't know anybody who had really been to rehab other than like celebrities. Right. And I didn't know anybody in treatment any of this kind of stuff. And she was like, you should give this guy a call. She's like, apparently two days ago when I sold this lease, she was like, the guy looked at me and he was like, you've helped me so much. What can I do for you? And my mom looked at him. This is two days before I was like, help my son. So here we are two days later. And I just admit this to my mom. Yeah. 
And she's like, you got to call this guy. So I was still stubborn. I still had a stash that I wanted to get high on. And um, I went back. I was living at my dad's at the time. I, the next day, I decided to give him a call. And within three hours, that dude had me checked into what's called a detox. It's a place where people go and detox from drugs for a few days before they send them the treatment. Right. And within three hours, he had me into a detox center and the rest is history. I've been clean ever since. And obviously like after the detox, I went to treatment and I started, I went through this treatment process and met with therapists every day and got great coaching. Still some of the best friends my whole life are from that place. And right after, right after the treatment center, I was kind of planning on serving an LDS mission. I felt like it was my calling. Right. And, um, after like a lot of pondering and thought and prayer and whatnot, the calling was like, Hey, your mission, you need to be managing this place. So I ended up living at the treatment center for two, after I graduated, I ended up still living in the treatment center. And then I managed it for two years (laughs) as like my mission. And once I managed it, I ended up moving out after the two years and kind of went on with my life. So it was really cool, really cool experience. Yeah. Tell me something. So as being a nurse, I've seen a lot of alcohol and drug abuse. And when I worked at the hospital, we dealt with mental health issues, but we also dealt with um, addiction issues. And so we saw people come in again and again and again. I don't know if you know the reason or how I got sober and I stay sober. Is that what you're trying to ask? I know the exact answer. I never stopped getting high. I still get as high today as I've ever gotten. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what I do now that gets me high. Um, I have to do a lot of things that are really hard as in like, I do a lot of hot yoga or a lot of hot Pilates or hanging out with my kids or doing all these hobbies that I like. Mm -hmm. I have to earn my highs now, but I still get as high as I ever did from drugs. And I see so many people who come in and have haven't found their purpose or like don't want to find their purpose and they think drugs are the issue no 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 drugs were never the issue it's your bad mental health that was the issue and the opposite of bad mental health is just human connection so the more you get out there and the more you put yourself out there and put yourself in uncomfortable positions where you can grow I still get as high as I ever did, if not 10 times higher. I love it. It's a natural way. It's a natural way that I have to earn every freaking day. Like I wake up depressed every morning, every morning. But I know if I get out of bed, I'll be a little less depressed. I know if I take a shower, I'll be a little less depressed. If I go to work, a little less depressed. Eat healthy food, a little less depressed. Work out, a little less depressed. Spend time with my family, exercise, all these things that when I go to bed and lay my head down at night, I'm a happy person and I feel successful. I feel quote unquote high, you know, that's the answer. Shit, man. You just, that was a mic drop. I love that. I mean, thank you. I, so I have an addictive personality. Yeah. My addiction was always done through exercise. That is how I got my highs, you know, and, and granted any addiction is not necessarily good when it becomes an addiction, you know, excessive. Yeah. And it's, and it's, And if it's taking over, like, let's say like, this has been a problem for me. Like I want to do so many of my hobbies that like some, I'm not saying I'm an, I would ever be an absent father, but then I'm not there as much for my kids as I should be. You know what I mean? That's a problem. That's an, 
that's a problem, you know? Right. Anyways, continue. you have to find a balance. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I said, I just in my last uh, solo episode that I just did, I even, I admitted, you know, I had some body dysmorphic issues mm. and um, it started out as exercise, but then it became addictive and I didn't listen to my body. I didn't listen to the signs and now I'm paying for it because I am forced to find balance. Right. Yeah. And there comes a time kind of like what you said there, you were almost to a point where maybe you weren't forced because there are people that, you know, die from drug addiction and that sort of yeah. thing. But there does come a time when if you don't find some balance or if you don't choose a better, you know, make a better choice, then other choices are going to be made for you. Exactly. Right. And it's like those choices are sometimes unfortunate where it's like, right you're miserable or your dad are in jail yeah you know like that's that's the reality is i've seen a lot of people die in this and i've seen a lot of people get clean and then they're right back on the streets and it's really unfortunate that like it was never i actually have a little story that goes along with this and there was i had a an acquaintance, I call him Hercules. Okay. That's just, mm-hmm. this is kind of when I tell this story, I call him Hercules. When I was in the, the sober house, we can call it. Mm-hmm. I'd been there for a year and a half and this guy moves into the house and right away, he just started killing it. You know, a, a lot of the things I've learned today on like my yoga practice, my healthy eating habits, a lot of these things came from this guy came and he, he came right into the program and with in like a week or two was just out shining me by a million miles an hour was just doing so well and everything he was doing. So I made him my assistant house manager. Mm-hmm. And so me and him were managing the house and things were going really great. And this dude was pushing me and the whole house to a new level. He was doubling us up. Like we were doing <laughs> so good. And uh, one day this kid had only been in there for, about two three months and he's like he's like z i'm gonna i'm gonna move out i'm ready to move out and i knew he wasn't ready he like i knew he was killing it more than most but he just hadn't put in the hours yet Mm -hmm. and he ended up moving out and that was really hard for me and my coach and my really really good friend his name's chris avery who you should actually get on this podcast sometime he asked me what my thoughts were on that one day he's like what are your thoughts on hercules leaving and I was like, honestly, doesn't feel, doesn't feel right. Like I'm kind of envious that he's leaving and I'm still staying. We were supposed mm-hmm. to do this together. Chris kind of made a point that was like, essentially this house is, a, this whole life is a marathon, not a sprint. And so many people can come in and sprint and do so many amazing things and then they fall off. And unfortunately, Hercules got out of the house and within a couple months was right back into his old lifestyle. Oh. And that's, that's a big thing in my life is I look at my life as a marathon and a sprint. I think so many times we get caught up in the rut of trying to get everything now mm-hmm. instead of understanding like this life, we need to run the marathon and not the sprint and be patient for everything that we've wanted. Um, I'm trying to remember what we were tying that in with. But that's another big focal point of my recovery and how I live my life is I'm not a sprinter anymore, even mm-hmm. though I want to be. 
but I try to be a marathon runner in my life and not, not physically a marathon runner, but <laughs> mentally a marathon runner, you know? But you know, Z, we often get focused on the end game on what it is we're trying to accomplish. We forget that the real prize is the journey. Yes. If you can't find happiness now, You'll never find the marathon, it. you will never find it. Never. Because even in and of itself, right? You're looking externally for something to bring you happiness. Exactly. Instead of your happiness being found from within and then it radiates out. Exactly. I agree 100%. That's, I, I think in the life we live like, oh, I'll be happy when I get a million dollars. But it's like, what then? What, what happens when right. you hit a million dollars? Like, is it like, do you? No. Okay. Now I'll be happy when I get $2 million. If you really can't find happiness right now, you're never going to find it, you know? And, and I think that's a weird word. I think we get so much in life. Like I'm a barber. And so every time my client walks in, like if it's the first person, I'm like, so what do you do in life? Like, what do you, do you go to school? Do you work? And we rarely ask people like, Hey, are you happy? Like right. if we started that off, I think that'd be a lot, a lot more beneficial in life. Like instead of asking people like, where they're at in the status quo of their life. I think we shoot all of ourselves in the foot by being mm -hmm. like, Where, what's your status, Allie? What's your status? <laughs> Instead of me being like, are you happy? What, like, what can I, like, how can I make you more happy? Like, what can I do? And it, it hurts my heart sometimes when people do have a hard time finding their purpose. And I was one of those people too for a long time. But I will say it is crazy if you do put yourself out there, how many like how many things you'll figure out that you didn't know about yourself that are truly yeah. awesome. You know, if you just put yourself out there, you know, absolutely. Oh. You know what? That's interesting though, Z. Cause I, I don't even know that I say to people like new people that I meet, I wish just got home from Europe and I'm trying to think, do I start a conversation at, you know, what do you do or what do you do for a living? You know what? I think I'm going to change my thought process and start asking people what yeah. lights you up. What brings you joy? Exactly. Exactly. Because I, I don't like to be defined by anything either. You know, I, I don't like, I don't like when tells someone tells me I am something like, don't get me wrong, like I understand like being complimented. That's great. Like, but like when I have someone who's like, you're an addict, what do you mean? Like, don't define me. Don't define right. me by anything. I don't like to be defined by anything. You know, you and me both. I just want to be. You that know? is essentially, though, <laughs> all of those things that define us or that people define us as, they're just cloaks we wear. Exactly. You know, and when we go home at the end of the day and we start taking off those cloaks, what's left? Who are you? Just humans being, you know? And yeah. I think that's like where we're at in the world. And this is not political or anything that I'm trying to make it in one way or another. But we live in, in a world now where everyone is hiding not hiding but living behind screens or living behind masks or separating from each other and i really am a huge advocate that the opposite of bad mental health is human connection and i believe the more totally true you get out there and connect with people and talk with talk with people and just figure it just helps you figure out who you are better and then you you feed off other people's energy you know it's right. crazy once this it's I don't know what the weather's been like for you, but these last few months have been like the craziest winter wonderland in Utah history right. where I'm at. And this last week the sun came out 
and it is so refreshing. Like I live across the street from a park. It is so refreshing to see like yesterday or two days ago, I took my kids on a walk around the park and I kid you not, there were four games of pickup soccer going on. There were four <laughs> spike ball nets out. And then there were people, two games of wiffle ball going on too. And I just looked at this and I'm like, we made it. We made it through the dark days. Like there's no light. Like that's, this is the thing about life is like, you don't know light until you go through the darkness, you know, you don't. And so it's like, it's good to go into those like slimy, dark caves sometime. As long as you know, like there's light at the end of this, you know what I mean? Like it's well, good to put yourself through that hard stuff, you know? Absolutely. I just was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, everything is in contrast. I don't care what you're talking about light and dark, tall and short, fat and thin, um, in and out, up and down. You know what I mean? Everything has a concept. Yeah. And I said, so why wouldn't you think that you yourself, within yourself, that you are also contrast, right? So you're going to have happy, sad, you know, good, bad, all of these things. And just realizing that life is a flux and flow. It is truly mm -hmm. yin and yang. And so if we can just realize, accept, yeah, yeah, accept that life is the, the good and the bad, because if we don't see the bad, we can't actually recognize the good. And I think one of the big issues of that, like part of me has a really creative side, but part of me has a really like, I like fact, like I like people to put a fact, like a, what's, why is it this way? And I think the world we live in now and all the screens we see and the shows we watch and the social media apps around, like you look at people and everyone has it all together on those things. Everyone's got it all figured out and they all got rich nope. and they all have the bad chick by their side and the happy family and all the things that come with that. But like, I know a lot of these people in real life and they've got it way less figured out than me and you think, you know, but I think right. we compare ourselves to that. Like, Oh, I should always have this image. I should always have that. And it's like, no, these screens made you think that. That's not real life. It is not Comparison. that way. Oh. Yeah. Comparison it's, syndrome. It, and then all we see is the highlight reel. Exactly. It's tough. Like, <laughs> I, I feel it as a stylist, you know, as you were a stylist once upon a time. So I'm sure you can right. really relate to this. But like, I make sure that I'm as dressed as I, I'm as well dressed as anybody whose hair I cut you know what I mean because right. I have an image to hold you know and that's a good thing I believe in look good feel good feel good play good however it's like it gets kind of stressing sometimes I want to wear basketball shorts and a tank top to the shop <laughs> you know what I mean yeah but I also believe in taking care of myself you know but right. it, it is crazy that like I am trying to impress or sell myself to somebody because that's what I do for a living, you know, mm -hmm. in a weird way, if that makes sense. No, it I don't totally think it's fake, sense. but I think it shows like, hey, if I'm taking care of myself, you should take care of yourself. But I don't always look like this. When I go home, guess what the first thing is to come off this shirt, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I do it's know. It's interesting how we, we, we fall into this, this rut of trying to look like we've got it all figured out. When that's not, I don't even like that aspect. Why would you want to act like you have it all figured, it all, figured so it all out? That's what I was going to say. What if we just accept the fact that we don't have it all figured out? I agree. I like that. So after you recovered and you stayed for two years, 
in the house. Was it scary to leave? Yeah, it felt like it was just, it was scary in the aspect of like not familiar, you know? It felt like kind of freedom in a way, but it also felt like I didn't have like, not necessarily a foundation, but like I wasn't surrounded by my strong team all the time anymore. anymore right. You know? Yeah. But um, with the profession I'm in being a barber and my clientele, honestly, like I would say most of my clientele have become like my best friends. And so I do have a good team. I'm blessed to work the job I work where I have a good team around me all day, you know, and I, I, my clientele's come far enough now where clientele, just friends, family, everybody involved in my life. My whole team is, I've got a pretty tight team that helps keep me accountable and keep me strong, you know? So yeah, maybe I left like the recovery house, that team, but I made sure I had a team around me. You need a team in your life. People who are like, oh, I'm self-made. I feel bad for you. You had no help. You know, like yeah. I'm a self-made millionaire. Oh, well, that sounds lonely. You know, like, <laughs> sorry, you didn't have a team. <laughs> that sucks. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. When you moved out, did you move in with someone? Did you find a place of your own? You know, how did you go about that? Did you Did you feel like you needed to still be accountable to somebody? Yeah, I moved into um, a house where... I had some pretty strong-willed people and it was like I, I lived there for a few months and then I ended up moving into one of my good buddies' houses right shortly after that and that's when COVID hit. Oh, wow. Shortly after that and so like essentially we were just stuck and what we did is with my dad, I actually built like a mini half pipe and we just skateboarded through all of COVID. COVID was great for me, honestly. It was, I was, I was a single, a single dude with like I think literally my bills each month, which they're like 10 times the amount now, 30 times the amount now, probably. I think my bills each month were under like a thousand bucks a month. Oh, wow. And so, so I had a little bit of money saved up and COVID was honestly like the summer break I hadn't had since high school. Like I just, I just like chilled every day and had fun. And anyway, so COVID wasn't like a scary, crazy thing to me. Like I was young, healthy felt good you know what I mean like it wasn't I gotta have work off like all these things and but it was still a crazy time um so then I lived there and then um after that I ended up renting out my own place and had my own house and then shortly after I rented that place out that's where I found my wife and then she moved in with me and that's kind of the places and living situation since honestly I would say like probably the biggest thing that helped me stay sober like after I got out of the house is I found a huge love for um hot yoga and hot Pilates yeah and I really would just there's something about being in a 105 degree hot room with 40 percent humidity for 90 plus minutes to really just ragdoll you and make you realize that like you're not as cool as you think but then to lift you up so high at the end of it and make you feel accomplished to do something like those are the moments that kept me sober that kind of stuff, doing hard things. I would say like, that's one of the biggest things that's helped me stay sober is like, I know you're huge into breath work and meditation. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do that, I don't think there's ever an excuse to be like a worse, this a worse dad, a worse husband. But like, I know when like, I get my practice in, you could call it meditation, yoga, stretching, hot room therapy, cold therapy, whatever you want to call it. Like when I get that stuff in, 
I'm a better dad, a better husband, a better barber, a better friend, a better son, a better brother, all the above. You it's know? a mental health practice, Z, yes, right? Yes, it's huge. It's huge. That's, I think, really the crux of it is that you have developed, even in all of your many hobbies, and I've even talked about this on the podcast in a solo episode, was that creativity is part of my mental huge. health practice. And so developing a mental health practice daily, something consistent. If you do it enough, it's not something you do anymore. It's something you are. are. Exactly. And without it, it, you're not the same person, you know, and you're right. You hit the nail on the head with creative. Everyone has stuff going on and everyone's busy. But I'll tell you what, when I was like a single guy, I could spend four hours in the hot room. Easy. Now that I'm a father of two kids, I have to be so creative with making sure I get my self-care in. I have to be so creative. It is so much more difficult, but there's so many ways to do it. And you might have to lose a little bit of sleep to do it. You might have to forego on some other things in life, but there's time and there's ways to get creative to do it, you know? Absolutely. So absolutely. Tell me this. I know a little bit of your life once um you, you know, once you've already been clean, that sort of thing. But there are things you do to to give back. And there are things that you are involved in to help build others up, like your softball league, like your addiction yeah. softball league. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I was in the treatment center, I would go and play. Uh, it's called sober softball. So uh, yeah. there's a league for everyone in recovery who meets up on Friday night. And there's a bunch of teams. And you just play recovery softball a bunch against a a bunch of other people in recovery as well. I would take the guys from my house and we would all go play. And that's been something so awesome. My season actually, it's funny you bring that up. My season started up last night for my men's team. It is such a breath of fresh air. Like you come to these, these games and it's just a bunch of people who are happy they're not on the streets or in prison. They're smoking cigarettes and vaping and chewing tobacco in the dugouts and swearing. And, and, but the thing is like, you will never find more love anywhere than going to one of those events. I agree. They're just happy to be alive. You know, it's such a breath of fresh air to find people who are like not as caught up in the rat race as we, as a lot of people in my life are, you know, there's so many people in my life are caught up in a rat race, but you go to one of those tournaments Nobody cares your net worth. Nobody cares your dollar amount. <laughs> They're just happier there and alive and present. You know? you know, you talked for a moment about connection. Yeah. Human connection. And I think that that is huge. That is huge in this softball league is the connection yeah. with others that are dealing with similar things that you are. And you guys seem to just buoy each other up. Everybody 100%. is happy and just, yeah, like you said, just freaking glad to be there glad to be alive yes, for sure it's beautiful yeah it's awesome yeah I, I really enjoy it I I love that community that community holds like a really special place in my heart and they're my people you know like I even look at like Jesus Christ and you look at like Jesus and his like little band of followers like they were like it was like the hippies in the 60s Misfit. you know like peace love and harmony they're just a bunch <laughs> of degenerates and like when I go to like those games, like it reminds me of like what Jesus's following truly was, you know, right. like 
that's what I re- like just accepting come as you are. It's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. What I also love is what you've done with your life since then. I mean, just the beautiful things that have happened in your life in the past, even since I've known you. So you got married right before I met you. You became an instant father. Yeah. My wife, uh, when I met her, she had a two-year-old daughter. I guess she was a year and a half at the time. And I clicked two really quick. And within a matter of a few months, her, her dad's not in the picture at all. And so it was really easy for me to step into that role as her father figure. And now I'm her full-blown daddy. Like I'm, I'm dad, you know, like she, yeah. she's mine and I'm hers and I'm in the process of adopting her right now. And oh my gosh. And she's my best friend and we do almost everything together. She still <laughs> thinks I'm like one of the coolest people in the world right now. We'll see how long that lasts, but like <laughs> she wants to do everything with me. Like everything I do, if, if I, if I'm, doing yoga she wants to do it if I want to go play golf she wants to play golf if I want to go she she just started soccer yesterday and I'm coaching her team right she loves it and like any like I just have so much fun with her and I love her and yeah so quickly with I'd be within a year I went from a single dude to a family of four you know like because two days after me and my wife got engaged we found out we were she was pregnant with our son yeah. And so it was literally like awesome. within a year and a half, I went from a single dude to not only my wife and our daughter, but now we have a beautiful son and, you know, we have, it's just a fun family. We got a dog and you yeah, do. it's, 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 it's a beautiful mess, you know? Oh, I love I that. I wouldn't want it any other way. Sometimes when like the kids are screaming and it's bedtime and I haven't slept, like sometimes I'm like, screw this, like, this is hard. And then I'm like, <laughs> whoa, 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 like this is the best thing ever you know like this is the best hard thing ever (laughs) best hard thing ever there's never a down moment like I'm never alone I'm never never a down moment in my life with them you know it's awesome (laughs) one thing I always tell my kids even though they're really little I always let them know I'm like you're gonna be the best in the world I don't care what you're gonna be the best in the world at but whatever you want to do you're gonna be the best in the world like whatever you want to do you're gonna be the best you know, and that's all I ask of like, Mike, that's all I will ask of them as they get older. Is I don't care what you want to do, where you're at in your life, but as long as you give it your full effort and whatever you're doing, my dad always taught me, like, if you're going to do a job, you do it right, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I hope to preach that to my kids, like whatever you want to do in life, you go and you give it everything you have. That's, so, that's yeah. special. I love what you're doing. I love I love where your life is going. I love your attitude and it's going to take you all the way, wherever it is you want to go. And even if you decide to change your trajectory, it'll take you there too. 100%. Yeah. Enjoying the marathon, you know? Thank you so much for sharing sharing you and your life with every one of us. And I wish you all the best. Likewise. This is, this was a great experience. I was super happy to be here. Thanks for making it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. I will put all of the information, how you can find Z, how you can connect with him in the show notes. Thanks so much. See ya. (laughs) Thanks, Z. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. So much goodness and so many tidbits to take away from today's conversation. 
I hope that this episode caused you to pause, to think, to feel, and maybe dig deeper in the search for resilience within yourself. I hope that some of you were able to find things here to add to or to help you hone tools you've already acquired in your individual search for resilience. I can't wait to see you next time.